listening to Awake in Relationship, a podcast about intimacy, community, and culture in a time of great change, with Silas Rose. Sells Rose, and this is another installment of a working relationship. If you've been uh, tuning in for a while, and I hope you have, you probably have uh, come to the realization that I cover the topic of conscious relationships quite broadly. To borrow a phrase from the second wave feminist movement, the personal is political. I also believe the inverse is true. How we show up in our personal lives, and that could be intimate relationships or community relationships, the people that we work with, or perhaps it's our neighbors or our spiritual community or songha. When we uh, acknowledge our interdependence and attend to these relationships with love and mindful care, we are creating the foundation of a new society, perhaps a new earth, that is rooted in justice, love, and equality. I know this sounds like a dewy-eyed idealism, but I really can't think of any other way to get there. Everything that's going wrong in our world today is really the result of a series of broken relationships. This is especially true for our economy. I know many great heart-based entrepreneurs who are excellent craftspeople or healers, visionaries in their field, who feel a great reluctance to participating in such an unjust economic system. Perhaps you can relate. Because so many horrible things are done in pursuit of the almighty buck, creating financial success almost seems heretical. For this reason, many conscious creators or heart-based entrepreneurs are rich in spirit, but often struggle to pay the bills. Success and financial freedom, let alone survival, really depends on our willingness to go through the fire of reconciling our relationship with money. In this episode of Wicked Relationship, I speak with Mark Silver business mentor, and author of a new book, Heart-Centered Business, Healing from a Toxic Business Culture, So Your Small Business Can Thrive. In this conversation, Mark shares wisdom gleaned from over 20 years as a business coach and a devotee of the Sufi faith. We discuss the possibilities that arise when we put love in our deepest values at the heart of our work and business. We also explore some of the common unconscious blocks that many heart-based entrepreneurs encounter in times of money stress, and how to realign our spiritual values and purpose to the income and impact we desire in the world. If you're wishing to have a more easeful relationship to money, this episode's for you. 
Well, Mark Silver, welcome to Awaken Relationship. Thank you. I'm really delighted. I'm really, really grateful you invited yeah. me in. I was reading through in the introduction to your book, and it really seems like we have this kind of similar uh, life trajectory in the sense that, uh, you know, we both kind of came of age in the era of punk, um, and then from there kind of migrated into activism, and then from there into uh, healthcare. You were a, a paramedic. I was an acupuncturist. And then it also seems like burnout happened uh, for both <laughs> of us. And uh, and that was actually kind of, kind of the awakening for uh, discovering a spiritual path. And you went towards Sufism. I went towards Buddhism. But it might be helpful for the listener if you could share a bit about your uh, your journey to writing this book, Heart-Centered Business. Yeah, I'll try not to take up more than a few hours. <laughs> it's a, there's a lot there. You know, um, when I hit that burnout phase, both as a paramedic and I was running a nonprofit magazine and doing other kinds of activist stuff, um, the you know the spiritual path that I was on was you know I grew up Jewish and was I was I was actually involved in Jewish community at that point, but um, uh, Holly, who's my wife now, we've been married um, since 1999, um, but uh, she has always been involved in healing work and uh, really tremendous healing skills herself and she's the one who connected us through her own journey with Sufi healing. And I found that the teachings of Sufism and the teachings of the Judaism that we were in were really parallel. Um, but it just so happened that the teacher that we encountered with Sufism, the, the healing work was so profound. It was so profound. And it was actually a really deep surrender for me because it felt at first like I was betraying my Judaism when in fact what I discovered was that it was a it was a healing because it's you know it's uh, the Sufism which is of course the mystical aspect of Islam uh, and Judaism you know there's the teachings are identical there's not really any um, conflict between the teachings, except for you know a disagreement about the nature of the Prophet Muhammad, salam. But you know the the core teachings and understandings, and the the Quran mentions the Torah multiple times. And so I just, um, and so it was a it was a really profound journey for me. And as I was integrating the teachings in Sufism and and coming on to the Sufi path, because that's where I was guided. It wasn't really a choice. I think those of us who find ourselves on spiritual paths, a lot of times it's not really like, oh yeah, I wanted to do that. Um, I really, I, I, I didn't really choose it. It just felt like that's where I needed to be. And then I started to I started to either see or be shown or just experience that there were, the, there were these really esoteric Sufi teachings that I started to see reflected in business practices or, or not. And I began to experiment and realize and work with the idea that 
the business itself, like the like the nitty gritty details of the business itself, could be spiritual practice, could be an expression of love. Um, and when that was absent, maybe those business practices weren't necessary if love wasn't available. And so it began what turned into, you know, uh, since 2000, 2001, really a 23-year journey of integrating and expressing the truth that every act of business can be an act of love and that we don't have to experience spirituality and business in the sense of like, okay, let's go fill up with spirituality and then let's go use it up doing business and then go fill up again. But instead, um, we can take on the practice of love in every aspect of our lives, including business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Sufism is a devotional path. Uh, and what that means is, is that we're concerned, the main concern um, and the main practices have to do with immersion in love. Like, how do we experience uh, the div- the divine presence, God, the oneness, non-dualness, how, whatever language we want to use, how do we experience it in the everyday? And how do we witness it and find it in the everyday? And how do we use that in service to helping the world and helping ourselves be what we could be, which is something really beautiful. The the underlying, um, the Sufis, from a Sufi perspective, uh, the understanding is that the world was created. There's a quote that's attributed to the divine that says, I was a hidden treasure and I yearned to be known. So I created the creation in order to be known. And that's really the purpose of the human, the purpose of the world is to witness the divine, witness the love, experience the love. And we're not talking about, you know, it's easy in the theistic paths to end up in this kind of idolatry of like, oh, there's a beard in the sky that's watching us, that there's some kind of other beingness. But the divine is something from which we're not separate from. You know, one of the metaphors, favorite metaphors of the Sufis is the ocean. (laughs) I have this picture back here for that. Um, And it's not that the drop dissolves into the ocean, although that's what the experience starts out feeling like, but the drop becomes the ocean. Um, And the, the other metaphor that I like to use is that if we think about ourselves as like a finger on a hand on a human being, it's not like the my head is sitting in judgment on my finger or that my finger is somehow a separate thing. I mean, as an individual human being, I am not everything in the universe, but I'm also not separate. I'm not a separate thing either. It, it goes a little bit beyond the comprehension of the mind. These metaphors all fall apart at some point, but there's a the the, the idea is to through practices 
of polishing the heart, of cleaning the heart, of letting the heart reflect the truth of love as deeply and as purely as possible, which, you know, is really in alignment with a lot of paths, right? All spiritual paths are trying to do some version of that. There's just different practices and approaches. So when you've written this book, I'm, I'm really wondering, uh, what is a heart-centered business? And, and what are some of the struggles that are unique? So I, I think that I would not necessarily classify business, uh, like a heart-centered business, as a separate kind of business. I think what I would, the way that I would talk about it is that being in business in a heart-centered way is a different way of being in relationship with business. And, uh, and I think because a lot of the outer structures can look the same unless they're unethical structures, in which case we don't take them on. But the idea of like, okay, we have a service or a product and we're trying to care for our clients and we're trying to also sustain and care for ourselves. I think some of the unique things that come up when you embrace that heart-centered path is that you become, is that you come to realize, and many people already realize this, how unjust, how painful the current economic system, the current Western culture already is. Like there's already big challenges with it. And I think in the same way that anyone existing in this culture has to, like there's no way for me to live completely in alignment with my values. I mean, here in the United States, the land's all stolen. <laughs> and we drive cars that, you know, burn fossil fuel and we're like dependent on certain systems that are inherently on, you know, there's inherent levels of, of injustice involved with them. And so I think that there are struggles when, when you're awake to the reality that we're living in that, um, that are challenging, you know, mm. to work, walk with, and we all have to walk with it the best that we can. The thing that for me becomes, um, uh, you know, a, a non-negotiable is that I'm going to do all of this with as much awareness as possible. I'm going to do business with in as healthy a manner as possible, causing the least harm possible, bringing uh, attempt with the attempt to find love in every aspect of business. And while not taking on kind of like saviorism, you know, or like aspects of white supremacy or colonialism that I can change the world, but instead seeing that as a collective effort, and I'm going to contribute that to the, to the, best extent that I can and collaborate with others in the best way I can, but I'm still also going to allow myself and we support our clients in sustaining themselves. Like it's okay to get paid. We're in this context. It's okay to get paid. It's okay to support yourself. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, it's okay to do this in as, in as honest and as healthy a manner as possible. Well, and the, the center and the struggle really seems to me money. And, you know, what you've just described, heart-centered individual or spiritual person going into business, that's half my, my peer group. And it's remarkably smart, hardworking, visionary, compassionate people, but it's a constant struggle. What is the origin of that struggle? Is it really just not wanting to participate 
in an injustice system? So I think that there's a lot here. Um, and I don't think we can boil it down to just one thing. I think, again, that's one of the things that we that our culture tries to do. It's like, oh, it's just, there's one solution or there's one reason or there's one, you know, just need a pill to fix everything. Um, I think that there are um, both, ex- like we've, we, ha- anybody who has issues with money has very legitimate reasons for it. Like I don't, the same way that people have issues with business, I don't want people that just get over their issues with money or kind of push past it or personalize it too much. It's a systemic issue and everyone struggles with money. Everyone struggles with money. And I will go as far to say that um, even the billionaires that are stashing way too much money in their pockets uh, more than they can spend in lifetimes and generations, that's a mental illness. Like to like like they're struggling too. Like I I don't want to take uh, focus away from the people that are at a survival level struggle in this culture, but I just want to point out that even the people that are materially benefiting from the system are deeply wounded by it. I don't think anyone is left untouched, and so. I think that there is a collective healing and a personal healing, but there's also, I think it gets tied up um, in other issues, issues around, you know, how we care for ourselves, issues about, you know, our confidence levels. And there are ways that we can embrace healing on a personal level that gives us access to a lot more strength, and a lot more wisdom internally that allows us to act in a healthier way. You know, so for instance, um, an example from a client is that uh, we had a client who was really struggling to make her business work. She was struggling to charge enough. She was struggling to, um, uh, you know, just to invoice her clients in a timely manner, you know, uh, and, in working with her, her own personal, this is not universal to everybody, but her own personal discoveries around really when helping her really look at that was like, oh, she realized that she needed to allow herself to receive more love. And in receiving more love, she saw that, oh, it's okay that I'm cared for too. And part of her journey with that was, you know, of course, like, you know, allowing yourself to eat in a healthier manner and allowing yourself to allowing people to care for you and to offer, you know, it's like the, there's healing there. And part of that was like, oh, it's okay for me to charge enough to live. It's okay for me to invoice in a timely manner. It's okay for me to accept money from people that like that are benefited by my work and and wish nothing but good for me and letting that love in was part of her healing around money and, and uh, I'm being very careful how I talk about this because I don't want there to be some kind of the, the human tendencies to try to universalize this or at least in our culture universalize this it's like oh yeah if you're not if you don't have money if you don't have enough money you're not receiving enough love. And that's so crap. (laughs) You know, that's all that prosperity consciousness and prosperity theology crap um, that that creates a formula of like, the more money you have, the more spiritually attained you are, the more loved you are, which is just wrong. And 
there are these unique, like we can find in our personal stories, ways that we're disconnecting from genuine goodwill and genuine desires to support us. And, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm trying to be very nuanced about this because it in turning away from the traumatic and wrong ideas around prosperity, you know, prosperity theology kinds of approaches, I don't want people to reject the idea that it may be on someone's personal journey that, yeah, if you let love in, you might be willing to let people pay you a living, you know, like a, a decent amount for your services. That is a really nuanced um, kind of perspective. So I, I gather uh, you're not a coach that prescribes a lot of, uh, you know, positive affirmations or does a lot of work around money mindset. It's more kind of going internal to that, essentially a kind of a wound. I think that many, many people carry, not just people in business, but, uh, you know, anyone that's trying to do good in the world might not feel like they're enough or there's something around our self-perception that's um, shutting down the possibility of earning a, a decent living. It's so true. You know, there's a million ways to heal. People's path to healing is so various, and it's and we need, we need different kinds of healing at different stages. And so, if personal, if affirmations are supportive to someone's self development and healing process at some stage of the journey, I'm I'm not going to. You know, I don't want to naysay that. We don't personally work like that's not what my healing training is in and how to work with affirmations. Um, I, I do, we, I come from a Sufi perspective of one of the most important human capacities to, that we need to develop, I believe, is the ability to not try to soothe or turn away from uncomfortable emotions. And I don't mean staying in an abusive situation. That's different. Or like subjecting yourself to being re-traumatized. If you need to have trauma healing, there's like, you don't want to be re-triggered. I'm not saying that, you know, but I'm saying that there are times when we encounter difficult emotions and it's easier to soothe it um, or to turn away from it or to try to fix it. But if we can lean in and allow ourselves to be with those emotions. One, we can often find out that they're not actually harmful to us. They're just uncomfortable. And then it allows us to have the spaciousness to start to ask, is love available even here? Is there something here that I can find that is not embracing something painful but it's also not turning away from it entirely. Kind of like what I was talking about in the nuanced uh, approach to love and money that this one client walked with. Uh, we That's when we can find the nuance. We can find our individual healing path there. And sometimes you need support from a healer, from someone to hold the space and to help guide that process because it can be a little tricky to unwind on your own. But also a lot of times a tremendous amount of the healing, um, and this is something I talk about in the book, just comes from bringing attention to it with compassion and spaciousness. And then it can start to unwind. A lot of the healing can happen just with that attention. Hmm. Is there any value 
in trying to figure out where the money story comes from? I think there can be. I, I, you know, it's again. I, I like to, I like to give people a lot of space in their healing. There are some times when I've had issues I've struggled with where the healing was just lifted. It just like that issue just disappeared through a process of the spiritual practice and work. And I didn't need to know where it came from. And other times it seemed like it was really important for me to see like, oh, I can see how I learned this in my family lineage in this particular way from these, these particular people in my lineage. And I, and knowing that is really helpful in depersonalizing it and realize, you know, and being able to let, to let go of it and be in a, be in a process with that. And so, again, I think it's, uh, <clears throat> I think that it can be very individualized, um, but there is, there can very often be value in, in looking at that. You know, when I was in my, my twenties, like you, I was involved in activist communities and there was a really generally a negative sense or sentiment towards people with money. <laughs> and, you know, you can't help but absorb that. It's really actually kind of, I feel like I'm still kind of working with that mm-hmm. in my own mindset. Yeah, I. it is. It's hard. I mean, it's just, when I was a, in my earliest days as a EMT, when I was a volunteer before I was a paramedic, and we would fundraise for our volunteer squad by going door to door in the district. And people who didn't have any money, who were in the poorer areas, they always had five or 10 bucks for you. Oh man, it's the rescue squad. Yeah, of course we got money for you. And then we go to these much wealthier neighborhoods with the gates and the intercom and you can't even get to the front door. And they're like, no, thank you. And I'm like, hope you don't have a heart attack. There's a, there is a very real dynamic that wealth isolates us. Like there's a, there's when we don't, have wealth, we're forced to depend on each other. You see communities that have less money tend to be way more collaborative because they need to be. And that's actually, a, that's a really healthy aspect. They More resources to those communities, please. But the collaboration is really healthy way that humans, are, I believe, are supposed to exist. And wealth gives you the illusion. And this is where wealth can undermine. It's part of where it comes from the the belief that wealth is not spiritual because wealth can undermine the spiritual process because it makes us believe that we're independent. We're independent of love. We're independent of our fellow humans. We're independent of the world. Um, And so I think there's a very real dynamic there to be aware of. And I don't think it's inherent. I think that we... um, I, we've done a lot of work with clients whose businesses started to do better and they started, you know, making 100,000, 200,000, 300,000, their business started bringing in. And to help them understand that that is not the same as having a hundred million dollars and um, that came in through exploitation, you know, that a business that's making two or three hundred thousand dollars or four hundred thousand dollars even or more than that even a million or $2 million, like it's not that much money in the context of the economy. And very often those businesses require people, you know, you require a team. And if you're paying your people well, and you're being really um, 
mindful and full of heart in terms of how you care for people and you're not being exploitive. And then you're being realistic about what it takes to like save up money to retire and to maintain a home. You know, when you start looking at all these numbers, it's often much higher than we've then we then a lot of folks who are in activist circles or who are aware of these conditions, it's like the the amount of money needed can be much higher than we acknowledge to ourselves. And it's not the same. Like I I, I guess I want to say it differently without the comparison. I just want to say that I in this economy and here in the United States, we have way less of a safety net than many other countries do. And that if you need to take care of yourself, you need to take care of yourself. If you need to have money and savings to make sure that you can continue to feed yourself and your loved ones to care for yourself, to protect yourself in case of a something terrible that happens, there's nothing wrong with that if you're not hurting people to accumulate that money and that wealth. And so um, my my Sufi teacher, my sheikh who passed back in 2015 was a Palestinian man from Jerusalem. He was a teacher at Al-Aqsa Mosque. And, um, uh, and he, he spent a tremendous amount of his time um, caring for the poor. You know, the, the Palestinians are not, you know, living the, their best life in modern-day Israel, and um, uh, and caring for the poor in many different places, and yet when we, when uh, one of my fellow Sufi students here uh, was asking him, like, how much should I charge for a healing session? He looked at him and he said, "Get what you can get, get what you can get." This cute little Palestinian man. It was like, it's like it's. It's like we exist in this in this system, even while we're trying to change it. Like it's okay to care for ourselves. I really want that to like sink into all of the heart-centered people and the activists. Like it's okay to care for ourselves and to care for each other in this system that is so painful to exist within and that isn't currently caring for us if something happens for, to us. Like that can be a part of our consciousness. Money stress is such a, it's, a, it's really kind of a, a downward spiral, you know, where you have something that arises like an unexpected bill and that really kind of touches that wound. And then you know, it creates a sense of paralysis or inaction, mm. which creates more money stress and down and down it goes. What do you suggest to interrupt that how do you connect with love in that moment that is such a human thing and believe me i i'm not immune to that either um as we do spiritual practice you know as we, in the, the sufi practice is remembrance it's called remembrance literally a remembering that there's a larger reality and that like interrupting that when you don't yet have a lot of spiritual practice stored up or a lot is a little like it's it's a little it's challenging it's it's difficult it's one of the reasons i recommend spiritual practice um because the more you do spiritual practice at least from a sufi perspective and I mean, you probably find the same in your own practice it becomes a refuge it becomes a place that's more easily accessible in those times of stress it's like oh yeah i can remember you know the the question that we 
that I offer to our students is to ask the question, is love available even here in this painful place? Is the divine present even here? A lot of times it's it's a function of um, uh, grace, if you will, to wake up from that spiral when you're in it. I mean, when you're in it, unless someone else, unless you have um, someone else that you're in community with who can say, hey, can I, can I help you interrupt this? <laughs> um, it's just like, you know, uh, uh, you just hopefully come to that awareness eventually. And then when you do, there's this process that you start to witness yourself. And you notice like, oh, I'm not the thing that's happening. I'm like, I can witness this happening in me. I, the, the analogy that I use is, you know, if you go to the theater and you're sitting in the front row, like the story and the sound like fills your entire reality and you lose the awareness that there's, that you're even in a theater but if you sit in the back of the theater, it's much easier to still be involved in the story. You know, you don't want to be disconnected from the story of your life. It's important. But you can be aware that, the, oh, there's a larger reality that I'm here. And I find that spiritual practice helps that. So in the moment, if you have someone that you trust and you care about who you can call on when you're in a spiral, who can help interrupt um, and can help hold space for you to just be witnessed because sometimes we just need to be upset and just be witnessed in the upset, but then eventually coming back to the remembrance or another heart centered practice of going, of just like moving back in the theater of like, like, okay, is love available even here? And asking that as a sincere question, not as a, Oh, I should be okay. Oh, I need to find the love in this, which is often, a bypass, a spiritual bypass, an intellectual distancing from the raw difficulty. But it's like, oh, this is so painful, and I'm so scared, and I don't know what's going to happen. Is love available even here? Allah. And the Sufis use the practice of remembrance, which is a calling of the name of the divine into the heart, through the heart. Allah. Is love available even here? Oh, I can feel my whole being start to relax. I can feel my belly start to unclench. And that won't necessarily magically fix the problem, but it gives me more internal resourcefulness. I can see like, oh, there's help I can access, or there's a pathway forward, or there's there's something. There's something here that's larger than just the panic in this moment. And um, so that's um, that's what we recommend to our clients, and uh, it's generally pretty effective. Like in my tradition, we it's really about connecting to space or a sense of spaciousness, openness. Mm -hmm. You know, right? It, in those in those tight moments, and it's very claustrophobic. And the more you can yes. find space, the better. <laughs> yes, yeah. I can really. Exactly. Um, Really, um, here you're master of. A, I forgot to mention this in the interview. You are also a master. You did a master's in divinity, and it really comes through. Um, and actually, you already kind of answered my next question, but it might be helpful to touch on it again. Is what role does grace have in our financial and business success? Oh, 
That's a wonderful question. You know, it's, I'm a very practical person. I was a paramedic. I teach in business. There are things that we have to do. You know, it's like we live on a bit of property and we're trying to create a food forest. And we have a garden and like there's things, there's things that we, you know, like you have to get your hands dirty, you know, like there's work that's required that's asked of us in being engaged. And at the same time, I've witnessed such miracles. I've witnessed such miracles. I have a, I have a, I don't, I don't really call it faith. It's like, unless you consider it faith, like when you sit down in a chair, you have faith that the chair is going to hold you up because you have the experience of the solidity of the chair. I have an experience of solidity of the divine, of the love available, the miracles that are available. Um, and so I think that grace, I think that miracles, I think that the presence of love, I think that the presence of unseen help is very real. And I think that if I, I, I tend to think, you know, like Sufism is very much called the, the, the middle path. And um, we're always like, I'm always encountering teachings or experiencing like, okay, like if you're way over on this extreme, come to this extreme. And so a lot of times if I'm working with someone and they're really spiritual and they've really been kind of depending on the spiritual approach, I'd be like, let's look at some of the practical aspects of your business. Like, do you have a clear message and how's your marketing and how's your sales process? It's like, we'll be looking at putting in the practical pieces. But if someone's been like so focused on only the practical, I'd be like, like, can we open up a space for miracles? Can we open up a space for heart connection and for love to be present and for something unexpected to come in that you don't have to try to make everything happen from the effort of your own will. I think I, I, I don't, I don't like the way the word balance is often used in our culture, but I think that having a dynamic, healthy relationship between doing the actual work that's needed and Having like being open to the unseen, being open to something coming in that isn't just your own effort is so important. It's such an important part of, I think, life. Yeah. Asking for help. <laughs> asking for help. Asking for help. In the book, uh, you talk about the essence of business as kind of a, a dynamic aliveness in relationship. Maybe we can end our conversation with just talking about that. What what does that mean to you? This was something that came up very early in Heart of Business. Um, was really like thinking about and people were like, what is business? Like what is business? And the answers that people would come up with when I'd ask in workshops would always be something about like, well it's a transaction it's you know it's it's a exchange of goods and services for money or it's like you know like that's what we do in business like that's an action you know and uh, but that's not what it is like what is the essence and so my explorations in sufism and in 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 love led me to this realization to this understanding that the essence of business is the relationships that we have around our livelihood, the relationships that we have around our, like the dynamic relationship that we have. And that can be the relationship with 
the camera and the laptop that I'm using in my headset. Like those are things that I have a relationship with, you know? Um, <laughs> I spilled coffee on my iPad. My keyboard's not working, <laughs> you know, like that's a dynamic relationship. It's like, oh, something needs to be cared for there. You know, there's, you know, and it's with our bank accounts and with our money. And it's also with our clients and with vendors and colleagues and, you know, mentors and all, you know, the, all of these relationships and the relationships can get, the number of relationships can get overwhelming, especially for a business to be healthy. It's going to maintain relationships with many more people than I would individually, right? My, my community and my friend group and my friends, like, I think it's been shown that, you know, a human being can maintain about 200 relationships, some of them very distant, like somebody that you see at the supermarket, you know, or somewhere um, versus people who are close in that you have a much closer relationship. But a business to be healthy is going to maintain relationship potentially with hundreds or even thousands of people. And we need to have a way of maintaining that. And some of that has to do with the structures and systems in a business that make relationships sustainable, so it can bring heart into those. But for me, at the essence of it is like, is really experiencing everything as an expression of the divine. Every person, everything, even the business itself is an expression of divine presence. And so if I'm, if my heart, if my practices are putting me in relationship with the divine, then that's naturally going to inform my relationship with each of these individual expressions of the divine. And it reduces my overwhelm in trying to maintain everything individually, if you will. Well, Mark, this has uh, been such a wonderful conversation. Thank you. And um, if people want to learn more about you and your work or, or get the book, where can they go? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, this has been, thank you for, <laughs> no small talk here. We went in deep. Um, so Heart of Business has lived at heartofbusiness.com. That's where our main business is. And you can find links to the book there as well. The book has its own website, heartcenteredbusinessbook.com. Dot com, and uh, you can download, you can access a, a free chapter, an excerpt from the book, download that, um, as well as find places to uh, to order it, and also just find a, a more of a description of the book. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you. If you want to learn more about Mark Silver's work, head over to heartofbusiness.com, and I'll also be posting some links in the show notes at awakenrelationship.com. If you found value in this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you took a moment and left a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Or share it with a friend who might also benefit from Mark's powerful message. I can be found on LinkedIn, Substat, and Instagram. Send me a message. I love hearing from my audience. I especially appreciate uh, suggestions on guests or topics to cover on the show. If you made it this far, thank you, dear listener, for spending time with me. Till next time, stay connected. tuning in to this episode of Awake in Relationship. If you liked what you heard, please click subscribe to get the latest show delivered fresh to your device or sign up for our newsletter at awakeinrelationship.com. Sharing is caring.